0: a little while ago, but I'm glad that you're here on this Sunday after Christmas and on Christmas Eve, I mean New Year's Eve. This is New Year's Eve. Let's not back up. So Happy New Year, a day early. We're reversing roles today. Uh, Dwight will be preaching. And I will be sitting where Dwight usually sits, not next to his wife, I guess, but I'll, I'll be sitting out there uh, somewhere. But I'm glad that you're here today. Uh, if you're visiting with us, there's a tear-off on our bulletin. If you have prayer concerns, if you would like to uh, fill this out with your prayer concern, it can be anonymous, whatever. If you have a concern that you would like for us to pray about, we will do so in staff meeting on Tuesday. And so just wanted to make you aware of that as well. Uh, today... We uh, finish our day with worship, too, today. There are no Sunday evening activities. They will begin next Sunday, and then uh, on Monday for New Year's, the church office is closed, but AA will be meeting here, and so if you see cars around 11 o'clock or so, that's the AA meeting they meet. Uh, regardless of whether we're here or not, because that is their assigned day, so they'll be here. So if you wonder what's going on in the church and you think it's closed, the AA meeting is taking place here, and we can uh, pray for those people as they come to that meeting. On Tuesday, staff meeting at 11 and worship uh, team at 6. On Wednesday, we're back to our regular schedule. So those of you who come to prayer and Bible study at 11 a.m., we will be meeting at 11 a.m. on Wednesday. And then Wednesday night supper, I do have a change. It's not tacos. I got a phone call a little while ago. It's going to be chilly. That's a good day, good thing to have on as cold as it's going to be. So it will be chilly on uh, Wednesday. And then you see the connect groups, the WANAs, and the youth will meet at 6 and the midweek prayer and Bible study at 6.15. And uh, take note that there will be no adult choir rehearsal on Wednesday. So those are the announcements that I have for the day. And I welcome you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I'm glad that you're here to worship today.
1: Well, good morning. Uh Uh-oh, the cold's got you. You're not awake. Let's try that again. Good morning. morning. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Are you sure? Okay, good. Psalm 24, 8. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. Would you grab your hymnals and turn to page 64 to see? This is a chorus, What a Mighty God We Serve. I, I want to make sure you know it, but I'm going to sing it through once. You join me if you know it. We're going to teach each other this because truly, what a mighty God we serve. He is truly the Almighty, the beginning and the end, the Alpha, and the Omega. So let's raise our voices to him as we sing this through once to see if you know it. Let's do it once, and then we'll stop.
2: What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before Him, heaven and earth adore
1: Him. What a mighty God we serve. Okay, how many of you sort of, kind of, maybe, it's in the back of your brains page 64 sort of how many it's brand new okay well so that means you guys that know that need to sing really loud okay we got to raise our voices to god and let him know we truly believe he is our mighty god okay we're going to do it twice more give you chances ready
2: what a mighty
1: god
0: Shall we pray? O Lord, what a mighty God we do serve, and we are aware of your majesty and your glory as we gather today, thanking you for the good gifts that come from above, recognizing in you, Father, that we are free because you have bought us with a price. Draw near to us, Accept our praise and our adoration for those who are traveling and not with us today. For those who are dealing with the cold, we lift them before you, Father. And pray that you will give them mercy and grace. Bless this time together in the name of Jesus. Amen.
3: Will you please join me as we sing hymn number 330 and stand as we sing. Please stand. Be seated.
0: If you keep your hymnal in hand and turn to page 328, you will find the responsive reading at the top of the page. Page 328. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, If any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal.
4: Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others.
0: Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God.
4: Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins.
3: Now, if you're joining me in singing hymn number 328 sweet sweet spirit and let's just sing in praise to him okay please stand
4: Let us pray, Heavenly Father Lord, we thank you for this day, and Lord, we uh, thank you for this warm place that we have to worship you. Lord, as we look into a new year, we uh, I thank you for our church, place that we have in our community that we can uh, reach out and uh, teach people and share with people the love of Jesus, the uh, the grace, the forgiveness. The 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 just everything that we experience and we can share with others. We pray, Lord, during this time that you'll use our tithes and offerings to, to throughout our community um, and throughout the world to spread the love of Jesus Christ. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you as grateful people that we have seen you in many ways in this past year. We know you're ever-present and that you are good. Father God, as we come before you, we pray that this service honors you, that your spirit moves. God, we look forward to the opportunities that are in front of us. God, we thank you that we are indeed people who you use and that you have shown your goodness to. God, I lift up Mechanicsville. God, we pray this year that Mechanicsville has revival, have people come to know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior, and that they live for you. They follow you. God, I pray for our state. I pray that we are known as people who love and honor you, Jesus. God, I pray for our country, that our country turns to you, the author and the perfecter of faith. And God, we pray for this world. God, we pray this year that you move as you see fit to extend your kingdom, Across this globe to nations and to peoples who need to hear of the life-saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is our prayer. We expect you to do great things this year. We expect you to do great things in this hour. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: I have a confession to make to you when Linda asked me to sing this song and I looked at it I did not like it um, and she was going to be out of town and it was one I never knew so I had to learn it so I did like most of us do and I YouTubed it I found several choirs that sang it and then I heard Susan Boyle sing it and in that Hearing her sing it, I started to like the song. Last night, when I rehearsed it with Linda, I realized I love the song. And in light of uh, Dwight's sermon today, I realized that it's a mighty song. So I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think of that bleak midwinter night. When that little bitty baby was born and he was born in a stable that was very much like today, cold and it stunk. And yet he was born for the sacrifice for us that he was a mighty, mighty man and he gave us his grace and saved us from our sins. But please now close your eyes and listen to the words of what that bleak winter, midwinter, was like.
4: Amen. Have your Bibles. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. As we approach a new year, um, the Lord gave me this passage as it is a passage that we need desperately as brothers and sisters in Christ to understand, and as my prayer has been, as we've looked at this, uh, as I looked at this this week, is I pray that I would step aside and that God would directly speak to you through his Holy Spirit and through his word, and that I would be uh, not a stumbling block or an obstacle to what God is going to do in this place. There are three overarching truths that I kind of want to kind of just hover amongst us as we, as we look into this. One is that the goal of the gospel, we're going to talk about that, is freedom. The goal of the gospel is freedom, not bondage, not the law, freedom. And so as we look at this, I want us to just kind of just soak our brains and our hearts and our minds and that, that's, that's why Christ called us to freedom. Number two is freedom isn't free until we continue to walk in the Spirit through faith. We can't stop. Freedom is only going to be free as we continue to move forward. And number three, are we wasting this opportunity and how so? Those are three things that we have to keep in mind if we are free in the Spirit. If Christ has called us to freedom, these truths need to permeate our hearts today. And we need to say, how am I going to make the most of this opportunity today and this year for God's kingdom? As I was looking at this, I looked at some resolutions as we do with the new year. I don't make resolutions. You might. That's fine. But what I noticed is a pattern with resolutions. Here are the top that were listed that I found. Lose weight, pay off debt, save money, get a better job, get fit, eat right, get a better education, drink less alcohol, quit smoking, reduce stress, reduce stress at work, take a trip, volunteer to help others, have more time with my family, enjoy life more, and get organized. What we see is most habits, most of these are habits. Most of these are personal growth goals, and they center around what we do. And I think that's the danger as we look into our passage, is if we focus our freedom based upon what we do, we're going to be mired, and we're going to be stuck each and every time. This year, I pray as God speaks that our goal is taken off ourselves and what we can do and we rest in the grace and the freedom that Christ gives us in his Holy Spirit. What's exciting about this is it's not just for me. It's for you and it's for us. Galatians chapter 5, 1 through 16. Uh, let me pray. God, Open your word to uh, have our hearts softened by your Holy Spirit. We pray that you speak truth and freedom and life here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Galatians 5, chapter 1, I'm going to read through 16. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view. But the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbors yourself, But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. May God add his blessing on the reading of his word. Back in the 1800s, there was a young Englishman, and he traveled to California in search of gold. And after several months of prospecting, he struck it rich. On his way home, he stopped in New Orleans. Not long into his visit, he came upon a crowd of people, all looking in the same direction. Approaching the crowd, he recognized that they'd gathered for a slave auction. Slavery had been outlawed in England for years, so this young man's curiosity drew him to watch as a person became someone else's property. He heard sold just as he had joined the crowd. A middle-aged black man was taken away. Next, a beautiful young black girl was pushed up onto the platform and made to walk around so everyone could see her. The miner heard vile jokes and comments that spoke of the evil intentions from those around him. Men were laughing as their eyes remained fixed on this new item up for sale. The bidding began. Within a minute, the bid surpassed what most slave owners would pay for a black girl. As the bidding continued higher and higher, it was apparent that two men wanted her. In between their bids, they laughed about what they were going to do to her and with her and how the other one was going to miss out. The miner stood silent as anger welled up inside of him. Finally, one man bid a price that was beyond the reach of the other. The girl looked down. The auctioneer called going once, going twice, and just before the final call, the miner yelled out a price that was exactly twice the previous bid. An amount that exceeded the worth of any man. The crowd laughed, thinking the miner was just joking, wishing he could have the girl himself. The auctioneer motioned to the miner to come and show his money. The miner opened his bag of gold he'd brought for the trip. The auctioneer shook his head in disbelief and he waved the girl over to him. The girl walked down the steps of the platform until she was eye to eye with the miner. She spat straight in his face and said through clenched teeth, I hate you. The miner, without a word, wiped his face, paid the auctioneer, took the girl by the hand and walked away from the still laughing crowd. He seemed to be looking for something in particular as they walked up one street and down another. Finally, he stopped in some in front of some sort of store, but the slave girl did not know what type of store it was. She waited outside as the dirty-faced miner went inside and started talking to an elderly man. She couldn't make out what they were talking about, but at one point, the voices got louder, and she overheard the store clerk say, but it's the law, it's the law. Peering in, she saw the miner pull out his bag of gold and pour what was left onto the table. With what seemed like a look of disgust, the clerk picked up the gold and went into the back room. He came out with a piece of paper, And both he and the miner signed it. The young girl looked away as the miner came out the door. Stretching out his hand, he said to the girl, Here are your manumission papers. You are free. The girl did not look up. He tried again. Here, these are papers that say you are free. Take them. I hate you, the girl said, refusing to look up. Why do you make fun of me? No, listen, he pleaded. These are your freedom papers. You are a free person. The girl looked at the papers then looked at him. Looked at the papers again. You just bought me, and now you're setting me free? That's why I bought you. I bought you to set you free. The beautiful young girl fell to her knees in front of the miner, tears streaming down her face. You bought me to set me free. You bought me to set me free, she said over and over. The miner said nothing. Clutching his muddy boots, the girl looked up at the miner and said, All I want to do is serve you because you bought me to set me free. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. We have to be enthralled with this. The goal of the gospel is freedom. And what is so devastating to me is that we have turned this freedom into all kinds of things that it shouldn't be. In this story, the girl's freedom was turned into devotion to the one who set her free. What we oftentimes do is turn our freedom into other things. Chapter 5 of Galatians says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to that yoke of slavery. We are free. We cannot go back. Back to what the yoke of slavery is what Paul calls it. The law or legalism works, justifying ourselves based upon what we can do, trying to do our best. Freedom isn't that. I think about the concept of freedom and I wonder, is it just something that happens in the moment of our salvation or is it something that we're living with our lives? I have a dog. I have two dogs. They're little poodles. They're more Gretchen's dogs. They're not mine. I don't claim them. They're little dogs. One dog likes me a lot. We call her Crazy Legs. Crazy Legs has one front leg. She uh, was injured with her previous owner, apparently, and and Gretchen works at veterinary hospitals, and she had two huge casts on both her legs. One leg did not take, and so that leg had to go. And so she's a three-legged dog now, and I call her crazy legs with affection. She's a little poodle with three legs. And man, Bryson, our son, says, she is so happy, Dad, all the time. She's a happy dog. And I think, I think here's the reason. She's happy she's alive. I think, I think in her little dog brain, she was like, I'm a goner. I've lost both my legs. I'm in some strange hospital. I got these weird casts. She's alive. And yet, we keep Crazy Legs and our other dog in a, in, a, in a jail cell. I affectionately call it a jail cell. It's a, it's a crate on the side of the couch. And when we're not home, we keep Crazy Legs in the crate. And when we come home, you, you hear the, and you go over to the crate and you turn the, the, the knob and out jumps Crazy Legs like you've never seen. She, she can jump this, well, I don't know about that high. She can jump this high on me. She's only got three legs. I mean, she's, she's a circus dog. She jumps and she runs and she spins. And, and she's just looking for something to do now that she's free, right? She's living that. That's the freedom that we, we have to have in Christ. You
2: know,
4: Thank you, Jesus. And we're just jumping and running and playing. And Crazy Legs does that. But Crazy Legs does what we as people also do. She doesn't know what to really do with her freedom. And she doesn't, I think, understand her freedom. And so when you say the word box... In any way, shape, or form, she turns and she runs into that crate. It's like she's free, but she always goes back to her prison. And she's like happy in her box. It's a, it's a confounding thing. The other dog is like, what is this dog doing? I'm not following her. I'm not going in there. You know, I know what happens. The door shuts and we're stuck. But Crazy Legs is like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go right back in. This is what we do. We're free, and we're running, and we're jumping, playing. Then we're like, but what do I do? I don't know. I'll just go back to doing what I know, trying to be good enough, trying to please people, trying to to live the best Christian life that I can on my own strength. We go back and we put ourselves right back into our yoke of slavery, as Paul calls it. And Paul warns us pretty harshly here that the law or works-based Religion is going to fail. And he says, every person who receives circumcision is obligated to the whole law, and you've been severed from Christ. That's a shocking and scary statement because we know God's word says we cannot be severed from Christ. But what Paul is saying here is, you are missing out on what freedom is. If you are trying to do it on your own abilities. Christianity is marked by one great distinctiveness. We are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God. It's not of ourselves so that no one can boast. We are given freedom from death. We are given freedom from a sin nature. It is the distinctiveness. Every other religion in the world is works-based. And Christianity has allowed this idea to seep in, and we start measuring up how good we're doing and how much we deserve our salvation, how much we've merited it by what we do. And then we start comparing to each other, well, I'm not as bad as that person. I do more than that person. And it just becomes about us. That's not freedom. It just becomes obligation when we live the Christian life that way. We don't want the Christian church to look like everything else. Embracing the freedom, the life, the joy, the truth of Christ, and that he can do anything through us is monumental today because people are works-oriented. People are wired to please people. I was telling my Sunday school class, when I was a kid, I, had this, I was in high school, I had this weird notion one day that I was, I was going to pay back my parents for all they've done for me. Like When I got to be an adult, I'd take all my money and I'd just give it to them and that would pay them back. Yeah. Some people are shaking their heads, we did that too. That's just so silly because that's like, what can I do to deserve the fact that you've given me all this? That's not freedom, that's, that's obligation, that's, that's indebtedness, but that's not the way the response is. You look at that slave girl. What did she want to do to the person who set her free? She wanted to serve. She wanted to serve that person. It was no longer, I guess I'll have to serve you because you set me free and uh, it's going to be a lot of work, but I'll do it. It's I love you and I am going to do whatever you want because the joy that's been put into my heart. We are justified, it says in verse four, by grace. We're not justified. We cannot be seeking justification by the law. Wayne Grudem says this, a right understanding of justification is crucial to the whole Christian faith. Once Martin Luther realized the truth of justification by faith alone, he became a Christian, overflowed in the newfound joy of the gospel. This issue became the central issue between Protestants and the Roman Catholics. If we are to safeguard the truth of the gospel for future generations, we must understand the truth of justification. Even today, a true view of justification is the dividing line between the biblical gospel of salvation by faith alone and all, gospels, all false gospels of salvation based upon good works. We in Christ are set free. We are not free because of what we do. Our salvation is an unmerited gift. And our life in which we live to the glory of God is not an obligation to pay back what we can never pay back. It is a delight. It's freedom. It's jumping, running, playing, doing whatever God wants because of, of the joy he's put in our heart by giving us the Holy Spirit, giving us his faith and saying us free. Justification is saying you are declared righteous. We're not. We know we're not. We are guilty people. We fall short. We sin. We've fallen short. We don't deserve salvation. The picture of a judge making a ruling is where justification comes. The judge says if you're innocent or you're declared innocent. God, being the judge, does not declare us innocent apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ took the punishment, took the wrath in which we deserved, and by his shed blood, he sees us not as guilty anymore. He sees us as forgiven, justified because of what Jesus Christ has done. So we are declared righteous. We're declared innocent, even though we're not. That should make us thrilled with the opportunity we have that we have been set free when we were sure fire guilty. How? Through the Holy Spirit. We, through the Spirit by faith, are waiting the hope of righteousness, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. Faith bridges the freedom between the Spirit and And our condition. Salvation is possible because of the faith in which Jesus Christ has given us. Not because of what we do. The judge sees us and declares us as righteous. I want to tell you this. If I declare myself as righteous, that does nothing. God declares me innocent. God's decision matters how god sees me matters way more than how i see me and i want to walk in light of his grace and i think most of the time it starts off pretty well crazy legs coming out of the box it's jumping running and playing but then it's like wait a minute i'm happy there too and she goes back i think the problem with the christian life is we're set free and we don't know what, we don't know what to do with our freedom We can't believe we're really free. We just can't. Our minds can't grasp it. So we try to pay back. We're indebted. Or, as we're going to look earlier, we just take advantage of that gift. And we we indulge in whatever we want because, well, God's going to forgive me anyway. The Christian life is not free until we're living out the freedom. Verse 7, pretty convicting verse. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. You were running well. The church was running well. We start off with the joy of our salvation. I was was just kind of taking inventory of Christian music today. And there is song after song after song written about the day in which we've been set free, about how God breaks our chains through Jesus Christ. It is a great image, and it's one that... Is all over the place. Very few of these songs talk about what to do after that. It's just sort of you're set free, yeah. What do we do? The gospel says everybody who's set free starts off thrilled. Yes, jumping, and running, and playing, and, and delighting in God. But then something happens is we get hindered. He says, You were running well. What hindered you? Sometimes I think it's just our I think, I think it's just ourselves. When you train elephants, and I, I know this from years of elephant training. Mm-hmm. When you train elephants, apparently the circus trainers take an elephant. They put these big chains on the elephant. They take this giant iron stake, and they dive it into the ground. And the elephant cannot go away from the stake. That is the area by which the elephant has freedom, which is not free. And so they do all their training with the elephant, teaching them all their things, knowing the elephant cannot move apart from that area. And then when the elephant is trained, they take off the chains and they remove the iron stake. And an amazing thing happens. Elephant stays right where it's been trained. It stays as if it's still chained to an iron stake. And that's us. That's crazy legs. We live the Christian life as if we're really not free to go and enjoy the freedom God gives us. We're only going to do it out of obligation. We're only going to do it out of what we know. The, he says, you were running well, but you stopped. There was this invisible barrier. What stopped you? And he says something that's pretty frightening here. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough, a whole lump of dough. The persuasion did not come from him who calls you. S- what stops us? Is, is ourselves or it's one person who's messing with us with untruths. Working with youth is joy. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But I'll tell you this. With young people, you get one kid with a really bad attitude. Guess what happens to the rest of the group? They get a bad attitude. Or, oh, it's not as fun as I thought because this, is, this game's not fun anymore because that one person is complaining about the game. When I coached basketball, we have one player who likes to hog the ball, play selfish, take all the shots, not pass. You know what happens to the rest of the team? They don't have any fun. They complain about this person. The whole chemistry of the team is affected. Paul is saying something really scary. One person in the Christian faith can alter the mood of the entire group. We cannot tolerate any evidence of our salvation and our life in Christ being based upon good works. If somebody comes in and starts to say, well, you know, I'm better than you because I do more, that's untruths that need to be taken away because it can bring the whole group down. And this is why the Christian church, which is marked by freedom in Christ and not legalism, different than all other religions is starting to look like every other religion because we've turned ourselves into a bunch of Pharisees, a bunch of rule followers. We're going to just do what we need to do out of obligation. And the world sees Christianity just like it sees everything else. Paul's saying it starts small. It starts with one person, one person sowing a seed of distrust in grace. We, as Christ followers have to obliterate that we have to live in a way that grace is free and that the life we live we don't live because we're indebted to god and we're going to try to pay him back we live because we love him for giving us the opportunity to do what he has allowed us to do i'm going to put this one step further um i said something when i was preparing the sermon to Gretchen, and she's like, say it just like that. And I had no idea what I said. I, I get that. Sometimes the Spirit just comes and you, you say stuff. And I was like, what did I say? And, and she kind of recapped it. And I think the truth of what I was trying to say is this. I wrote it down. The Holy Spirit is not working in you if you think the Holy Spirit is about yourself. The Holy Spirit, if you know the Holy Spirit, is real if you're compelled to move outside of yourself onto other people. That is evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. I think a lot of times the church has just been like, Christian faith is for me. The Holy Spirit is for me. It's here to make me feel good. It's here to make me feel okay about myself. It's helped me to be okay. The Holy Spirit is evidence that I am passionately consumed with the love of God for others. And it comes with remembering our freedom and living in it. When I was um, at a church, I had this dream of flying a kite in a church. Here's, here's why I had this dream. Because as a kid, flying a kite was the ultimate thing of freedom. Man, you have a string, and it's up there, and it's just going around. And I thought, you know, we have lost it in the church today because church has become drudgery. And so I wrote this this drama for the youth. And and I was like, it was a New Year's drama, that's why I bring it up. And we had one girl up on stage, and she was just a serious person. And people would come on one at a time, wanting her to play games and fly kites and, and play with a potato head. And she would be like, no, this year I'm going to study the Bible, and I'm going to grow in my faith, and I don't have time for enjoying life, that kind of thing, right? That's the Christian life today we see somebody enjoying it, we're like well i'm going to put out that joy by folding my arms and saying no and i was in the back room getting ready to come out and one of the youth was supposed to bring in the kite and the idea was i was going to run down the center of the church with a kite flying behind me just thrilled and i grabbed the kite out of the kid's hands and i say i want to do it because i didn't want somebody to like get mad at the kid for flying a kite in the church i'll get i'll take the blame and I went running down the center of the church. Woo, I've got a kite, I've got a kite. And I flew it up on stage and I just had that joy. And, and I said, what are you going to do this year? Do you want to fly a kite with me? And she was like, no, nope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something serious. The gospel is profound and delightful at the same time. Look at what. Verse 13 says, this is the culmination of everything we're looking into. You were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives, and the evidence that the Holy Spirit is alive and working in us is what we do with our freedom, how we love and serve one another. If you are in Christ and you have no interest in compassion for people around you, you do not have the Holy Spirit working. And that's a really bold, strong thing to say. But how can God in the Holy Spirit be in us and we don't care about people around us? It's offensive to God and God doesn't want his people being offensive to him. He wants us to be free. If you have someone who's lost, who does not have salvation, and you don't care, the Holy Spirit is not working through you. The Holy Spirit is evident in your freedom by taking this great opportunity and knowing what to do with it. Saying in the Holy Spirit, in in the freedom in the Holy Spirit, it's an opportunity for me not to do whatever I want for myself. I'm not going to indulge in my flesh. I'm going to use it in love to serve and minister to people around me. A lot of people say, well, the Holy Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit doing in my life? It's more like, what's the Holy Spirit doing through you in somebody else's life? And I'm telling you, the only way the church is going to be marked by the freedom and the opportunity that we have before us is if we are so passionately consumed with how the Holy Spirit is working through you to somebody else and not just yourself. Here's a magical thing that happens. I don't know if magical is the right word. But if you are consumed with the Holy Spirit and somebody else, you're going to also be concerned with me. As as the Holy Spirit would be concerned with you. You're not going to be left out. Because the church is a place where each person brings God's love and care to one another. Selflessly, like Jesus modeled. And then when we leave the church and we go to work, the Holy Spirit is what makes you more concerned about the people around you than yourself. When you go to your families, you're more concerned about your family than yourself. When you go to someone else who does not know Jesus, you are consumed with that person. You're not, like, consumed with yourself. We have a guy named George who comes into the church sometimes. He has one leg. And I, I, I gave him a ride sometimes. I know Tim's giving him a ride To work and I've got to know him a little bit and he lost his leg 20 years ago and he's had a lot of struggles every time I pick him up every time I talk to him I don't I don't talk about all my problems I don't talk about how horrible my day is I'm concerned with him it takes my eyes completely off myself And this should be for us, for every person. If you want the Holy Spirit, this opportunity this year to be free in the Holy Spirit, be passionately concerned in love to serve one another. Don't turn it into opportunity for the flesh. Here's what we do. I think think that we either react like we, we, legalism, we we deserve this, we don't deserve this gift so we're going to earn it back. Or We keep that gift to ourselves, and we say, well, I'm free. Thank you for setting me free. I'm just going to indulge in myself. Or we take advantage of God's gift, and we sin as we want to sin in trusting God is going to forgive us. Or we do what Scripture tells us, and through love we serve one another. Our only freedom exists in extending grace to others. The Spirit in us compels us in joy to glorify God in gratefulness for this freedom that we walk in, as Scripture says. I will say this, even though I am paid to be a part of this place, ministry is not work. You can take that for what it is. Ministry is not work. Every opportunity I have to open God's word and share God's truth with young people isn't something that you have to pay me to do. Praying for somebody isn't something you have to pay me to do. Getting to take the teenagers to Arlington, it's not work, it's joy. Last week when we had three young people get baptized, it wasn't, it wasn't, well, we're obligated to get him baptized, so we'll sit through this baptism. No, that's joy. Everything is pure joy, and even the struggles in church is pure joy. And then we extend it past this, and we realize that the, our lives are free in Christ when we leave the church. Being able to be an ambassador of Christ wherever we go is joy. The Christian life is not drudgery. The Christian life is not full of obligation. The Christian life is not something that we're just we're just trying to, to 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 you know make a chore so we can pay back. The Christian life is freedom. We're going to the Dominican Republic this next summer. Um, the pastor there is Pastor Melvin. I've worked with him for years and years and years. I called him, and he was excited we were coming back, but he goes, I'm retired. I'm not the pastor there anymore. And I was like, ah. He's like, you'll be working with with our new pastor. It's great. He's like, I only preach three times a week. And I was was kind of shaking my head. I was like, what? Yeah, we have church every day. We have church every night. And uh, they only have me preaching three times a week. And that's convicting. Because I think in America, once a week's good enough. For most people maybe twice a week if you're really good boy the gospel is every day every moment of every day this group in the Dominican you know it's it's a Catholic culture they're surrounded by works 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 so what do they do they delight in meeting and gathering together every day because it's a joy it saddens me when we have young people and our own kids, and it's like, I don't want to go to church. It saddens me because what a gift it is to be in the house of the Lord. And if you're not excited to be here, you're probably not excited to share the love of Jesus with somebody else. And that's sad. I got a text message or a Facebook message message from a, a young lady who was in my youth group maybe eight years ago. She came into the youth group and she was not a Christian. A friend had brought her. She was led to Christ and sweet sweetest spirit. She went on two mission trips to the Dominican Republic. I've lost touch with her over the years. She's, she's 25-ish probably now. At dinner, she messages me and she says, Dwight, I'm going to be a missionary in the Dominican Republic for three years would you consider supporting me? I was just like blown away. I I was like, yes, of course. This is so exciting. How did this happen? She's like, it happened because I went on those Dominican trips you took me on, and God broke me. He broke me to where there's nothing more enjoyable to me than sharing Christ. And the Dominicans, I have such a love for the people that I wanted to spend my life doing this. And I was just humbled and blown away. We don't do the Christian life because it's a chore. We do it because it's the best thing possible. We're free. Why are we going back into our cages? Why are we putting our chains back on? Why are we turning this opportunity into something that the rest of the world does? The end of it is the beginning in Galatians 5. Verse 16, I say walk by the Spirit. You'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. What you'll find out is salvation is not just that moment your chains got set free. Salvation is not just a gift to keep to yourself. Freedom is walking in the Spirit, living a life that glorifies God. We, as Christ followers, can't do him the disservice to say, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. That's not freedom. That's not fun. That's not joyful. The end is the beginning. Walk by the Spirit. If you've been set free, stay free. Stay free and embrace the massive, wonderful opportunity we have that we indeed are free Today, tomorrow, and forever to walk in the spirit. We don't go back. We don't change course. We live and boast in that freedom. I don't know about you, but I like to dream big dreams. We were on a a camping trip a few weeks ago, and uh, we shared what kind of things could you pray for if you could pray for things. And there were some great, great, you know, massive prayer requests. And there was, you know, I want every person on, in our church to go on an international mission trip. And there was, I want all of Mechanicsville to fall in love with Jesus. I mean, big prayers. Well, those type of things start with you today, where you are. They're not going to happen until today, you say, I'm in love with Jesus I'm going to live in freedom by his spirit. Let us pray. God, we thank you, Jesus, for setting us free. For it was freedom that we were set free. God, thank you for delivering us from death, for removing the chains, and for allowing us to be declared righteous. God, we know we don't deserve this gift. And in doing so, we trust you that you're going to continue to work and you're going to move through us and you're going to compel us to love and to serve one another. And that we're going to boast in the name of Jesus because, Jesus, you are all we have. You are the only reason we've been set free. Our lives are devoted to... Uh, deserve to be devoted to you in everything we do, in everything we are. And God, this year, I pray we don't just make a list of things that we're going to try to accomplish, but that this year we see the, the opportunity of freedom in your Holy Spirit. And that Mechanicsville Baptist is a light because we embrace this truth. God, keep the small untruths from getting in here. We pray that your gospel is lifted up above uh, untruth and that we glorify you as we should. I thank you for this hour. I thank you for this time. And I thank you for the new year that's in front of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we uh, sing our invitation song, which I will say this. Uh, I was, I trusted Christ at a uh, backpacking trip. And I came back, and I was told to go forward during the invitation hymn. And I was thrilled to do so. And the song that they played the invitation hymn was Victory in Jesus. And I'll never forget that. I went forward, and... I made the declaration that I am am indeed free. I am indeed a new creation in Christ. Christ had the victory. And as we have our invitation time, the gospel demands a response. We cannot have God's word proclaimed. We cannot have the Holy Spirit work in this place and have us just sit there. Now, I'm not saying you have to come forward, but if you respond to the truth of Christ and you want to come forward and have Tim or myself pray for you in whatever struggles you're having, we would be glad to do that. If you want to come forward and just confess, God, I have not been living in freedom. Forgive me for that and help me to know how good it is to be in Christ. Or you might just sit where you're at and you say, you know what? My chains, my chains, I've put them back on. I need to take them off and symbolically in your heart say, God, release me, free me from this. Or if you've never trusted Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to come forward and say, today is my day of salvation because Christ is calling you. However you need to respond, every person needs to respond. Let's pray. Let's stand and sing. I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. How He gave His life on Calvary to save a wretch. Like me, I heard about his groaning and his precious blood's atoning, and I repented of my sin and won the victory, oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior. So much. Had a wonderful day to be able to share in the house of the Lord with each one of you. And am thankful and humbled that uh, I'm allowed to share from time to time. And I do pray that God spoke to you, and it wasn't me. The hymn, He sought me and Bought Me with His Redeeming Blood. The price of freedom was great. Jesus paid it all let's say the story of the slave girl the price was great but the freedom was worth it our freedom was bought with a price we praise jesus christ today for setting us free amen amen, amen. a couple announcements and we'll have our closing prayer it's not in the bulletin but we're we're starting uh three times this this new year with what is called goalball goalball uh is for uh, visually impaired kids from 8 to 18 years old all over the state of Virginia who play in this sport. It's called goalball. They're doing three times in our uh, Family Life Center. This Saturday, 9.30 to noon, is the first goalball event. We would love for each of you to come cheer them on. It's a really unique game. Uh, the ball has rattles and shakes, so they can, shakes so they can hear it, and the goals or you know have vibrations and stuff. It's very interesting, but I think you will love to come. We're going to join together in a lunch afterwards, and then part of this is our young people and the participants in goal ball. Uh, any donation you give, we're saying if you want to donate $5, that was great, and it's not required, but the money will go towards us serving together hospital patients at the doorways. So our youth group and the participants are going to go to the hospital at the doorways down in, at VCU and share and pray uh, with those who are there. So please come Saturday 9.30 in the Family Life Center. We would love to get a good crowd. I know we're talking about getting a pop, pop popcorn machine up, making it like a big event for them. Uh, but I think you'll be blessed to come and see them play goal ball this Saturday. And so uh, you're all invited to that. And again, our Wednesday activities start this Wednesday. So hope you'll see the you there, I think it's chili, not tacos, right? Chili. Good. All right. What was that? It says tacos, but I think they changed it to chili. Okay, okay, that's good. Anyway, let's have uh, our benediction. Father God, we thank you so much for the price that you paid to set us free. God, it was for freedom that we have been set free. So God, we trust in faith your Holy Spirit would keep us free, that you would keep us free aware and alive of the purpose that we have now that we have been set free. God, help us through your spirit, love and serve and have a passion and a compassion for those who are hurting and those who are lost. God, we pray that we would represent you as fully as possible. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.